This is the 47th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me as always are my fantastic co-hosts Robinson Sien and Christopher Wikström. For this episode we are also joined by the fabulous Albert Lindblom, known to the legacy community as Ali on the Magic the Gathering Online. The warmest of welcome to you, dear listener. Hello everybody. Hello everybody, I hope you're doing well and welcome Albert. Thank you and uh, thank you so much for having me and hello everybody <laughs> as well. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the Top of Deck app. In this week's episode, we will get a brief report from what happened at Stockholm Legacy League last week. And after that, we will devote this episode to talk to our lovely guest about his endeavors. Uh, as well, more importantly, to talk about the event Tier 1 Con, which will kick off at the beginning of July in Malmö, neighboring city with Copenhagen, for those who are less familiar with Swedish geography. First things first, though, Robin, quick rundown of your paper Legacy in the last week, how did that go? All right, so I brought the eight mulch deck again to the local game store, and uh, I went two two. But uh, in my final game, I was uh, paired against uh, a person with a draw, and he actually scooped. So for the league, I was three <laughs> one. So I faced off against Mono Red, which I lost against, and then I uh, I won two zero against Oops All Spells, which was. Kind of cool. I won the die roll, had a crop rotation, and then on the draw I had an endurance, and that was it. Then I succeeded to beat Experimenter, and I will talk a little bit about those games. And then I lost against Blue and Black Stacks. So that was <laughs> Paper Legacy for all you all. But uh, I will tell you a little bit about, about the games against Experimenter, because this was kind of ridiculous. So I start off playing a mana bond, which he forces, and... Uh, like, my hand doesn't do much after that, so I just make land drops. And on turn three, he slams a mentor. And, like, we've been talking about that. I don't really have much to say when he has a mentor. So I, like, go for a quick Merit Lage and just hope that he doesn't have a plow. He do have a plow. And uh, so I play a mulch and find a tabernacle, which I play. And now he's constrained on mana. And uh, the next turn, I top the ex- exploration. So now I can play a mace for his mentor and waste him. Uh, so he never really gets off with tokens. And then I find Loam. And then I find Field of the Dead. And I take over the game from there. Then in game two, I also have a mana bond. And at some point, he bounces it with Teferi and puts a meddling mage on mana bond. And I haven't activated it because I have a lot of gas in my hand. And uh, I have a loam, so I loam and he surgicals. I think it's it or, or maybe it was wasteland. And he looks through my deck and see that I have brought in exactly one red blast that would kill his meddling mage. So I shuffle the deck after the surgical, present it to him. He cuts it. I dr- take my draw step and reveals the blast. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then I play the mana bond and just go nuts from there. And uh, yeah, that was that was some really good top taking. <laughs> that's what. That's happens. not serious. That's what happens when you don't have you know uh, cutting your opponent's deck reps. <laughs> You're gonna cut it to the top every time. Yeah. Th- this reminds me once I played in my local game store in Copenhagen and I played uh, Miracles versus Belcher. And he went for goblins, of course. And I shuffled my deck. I did, yeah. So I, I shuffled my deck and I put it in front of him, and he didn't do anything for like 
felt like a minute. So I just took my deck and drew, drew a card that was Terminus. Mm-hmm. And then he complained that he didn't get to cut uh, <laughs> and called the judge. <laughs> so it ended up that we kind of had to redo it because, yeah, it was a very important cut for him, apparently. Mm. So, so uh, I lost that game. Oh. But it was a uh, very important cut that he just did not try yeah. to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would have been insane if it was Terminus again. Yeah. That would have been justice. <laughs> yeah, so... That was that was uh, a quick rundown of the most important events from my from my playing experience. So did you did you notice the? But uh, was it awkward to play out mana bond or not using it for for prismatic ending? Or? Yeah, it was. But I had I had, <laughs> I think I had, after having been being drawn a couple of cards, I think I had like three mana bonds in my heart in my hand. So it was a little bit of a bait spell actually. But then, like, Meddling Mage came yeah. down, and I did not see that coming at all. <laughs> so that changed everything. Yeah, that's a, that's a clever play from your opponent, I think. Yeah, it was. For sure. Uh, I got a question now when we got uh, some more Lance uh, aficionados here. You faced against uh, the Mono Red deck. Was that, like, the, the Stompy deck? Well, it it was a little, a little bit spicy one with uh, Grove of the Burn Willows, Punishing Fire... Not Blood Moon, but Blood Sun, and a lot of Planeswalkers, and also Yukul House. Oh, Uh, (laughs) Oh, it's the Yukul House. And also (laughs) Yukul (laughs) House. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, uh, a, a very quick draw. Or it's kind of difficult. And I also had trimmed on, on like uh, Force of Vigors and that kind of cards in my sideboard and, and just like gone completely anti-combo. So I had only had two Force of Vigors in the, in the sideboard and two Bosejus in the main for chalices and that, that kind of stuff. And uh, that's hurt me a lot. So I, I, I'm going back to three Force of Vigors now, I think. All right. Thank you, Robin. Well played. Now over to our guest, Albert Ali Lindblom. Please introduce yourself to those among our listeners who, however that would be possible, are not familiar with you and what you do in Legacy. So yeah, my name is Albert, as you, as you said. So I'm from Sweden, from, from Huddinge, Swedish best commune, as we say. We From there, who <laughs> don't live there anymore. <laughs> but I live in Copenhagen in Denmark, and I started playing Magic in 1996 when I got my first booster of Ice Age with Jukla Hops is from I- Ice yeah. Age actually so it's <laughs> a card that's dear to, m- to my heart and I have kind of always played the format that was where dual lands were legal but power 9 was not legal so you know first it was called type 2 and then it, it got called extended and then type 1.1 I also played and then it got called Legacy and I, I guess I started playing for real Legacy in 2010 this is when I moved to Copenhagen and I played Blue Green Stasis which was a really cool deck I had like Root Maze Ooh. in my deck and St- Stasis of course that's a good combo uh, and then I have Birds of Paradise Birds of Paradise and this uh, there's a and creatures played in Elves that lets you untap a creature can't the remember the symbiote called. maybe yes no, no not no, the symbiote the other symbiot. one uh, Her- Heritage Her- Druid, yeah. I think. Yes, I could bounce my Tropical Island, untap my Birds of Paradise, and pay for Stasis. That was kind of the, the combo. So it was like a four-card combo. Root Maze, Stasis, Virebots, uh No, no. Uh, Heritage Druid and Birds of Paradise. Very cool. Yeah, it was very, very cool. Uh, I also played Days, great with Stasis. And they're like the Tree Island Days. I think it's called Twart. 
Oh yeah, you return yeah. three islands and you counter a spell. Yeah. <laughs> it's also good with stasis because you know you return your your tapped land. So I played that. My only win con was one Feldon's cane. <laughs> to <shuffle laughs> it's not something you can play online this deck. Uh. But um, and then I started playing land still. Uh, got a bit more success with that before I finally got the card for Storm. And I played Storm for many many years. And then I took a break in 2014 because I moved to London with my family for work. So, and there, there wasn't really any... I played one tournament, which was where Treasure Cruise was legal. So I played Grixis Delver with Treasure Cruise. That was amazing. Uh, this was maybe 2015 or... And then I started playing... Uh, Magic again in 2017 when I moved back to Copenhagen and, th- and then I started playing online and I've played lands basically since then almost I played a little bit of storm in the beginning and then I, start, uh, in, I think in 2018 I, go- I got the tabernacle uh, in paper actually so then I also started playing that online and I just played that deck so many times like I re- it really clicked with me Lance and uh, and then a couple of years ago I I made a big push to try to become a better player so you know I started doing coaching uh, I had many sessions with a, a Danish online grinder called Andreas Petersen whose his name is Eko Baronen online is a very very good and so he he yeah we've had countless sessions you know working on my kind of mental health and and uh, my sort of stamina and play and all this kind of things and i also started approaching magic more like a, a like an exercise so schedule time for it and doing stuff like that and it, ha- it has really paid off so you know i've i've had quite a lot of success uh, the last few years so i've had uh, you know many top top eights and top 16s in you know big online tournaments and i think last year maybe i peaked a little bit so, so i managed to actually qualify for the online pro tour or the mythics championship by doing well in kind of a series of online tournaments i think i started by making a top eight in one of these showcase challenges which is you know 200 players tournaments and then i managed to come in second i was lucky enough to come in second in that 30 people tournament that that you know every top eight for the last three showcase challenges and some some other invites get to play in like one tournament where the winner you know qualifies for the pro tour and for this mox which is the biggest online tournament so i came in second but then i was even luckier that my opponent who won he was already qualified for everything so it kind of passed down to me yeah (laughs) Yeah. who who was the winner his name is phil helmut on on, i I don't remember what his real name is but i think it's in english or british british player like a killer and it was kind of funny because when we started the finals first he was like off for five minutes i was like okay what's going on (laughs) and and then he just wrote directly like i'm already qualified for everything would you be interested in a price split (laughs) and i uh, didn't like i didn't understand i was first time i was ever in the finals or anything i didn't really understand what he meant like i thought okay what he wants me to, you know, if I win the pro tour, like, like to send money to him, and I'm like, no, no, I can't. Like, how, how does that work with tax authorities? <laughs> so, so I was like, no, no, I can't do that. No, no. I guess he just wanted some ticks. I don't know. I don't know. I guess you know, in the finals, you it's very common that you do a price split. But I've never been in that situation. So I always said no, and then I lost. <laughs> I felt like a total idiot. But then I got the email the other day, the next day, that I, everything had passed down to me. So it was pretty cool. I respect yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> no Never split. split. Yeah. Never, Never surrender. Yeah. <laughs> Never ID. All the way. Yeah, all the way. Yeah, big respects for that. I mean, 
that's fantastic and thanks again for coming on the show this is uh, i mean so much we could unpack there if we uh, had the time but we don't because we are here to primarily talk not about you but rather about tier one con so let's start with the most important stuff when is this tournament where is this what things can you play there uh, what will you be able to enter give us the rundown please yeah all right so it's uh, this summer so it's uh, first to third of july which i think is the first weekend of, of well yeah it's the first <laughs> weekend of july it's in malmö in the south of sweden and as you know you already said but kind of for international listeners malmö is very very close to copenhagen so i think it's actually like 11 minutes from the copenhagen airport with train to the event and it's maybe 30 minutes from copenhagen central copenhagen to come to the event so, so if you're flying in because i've had a lot of people asking me on twitter like because uh, it's much cheaper to buy tickets to Copenhagen than Malmö, of course. Flying yeah. For sure, for sure. So, so yeah, it's 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 gonna attract a lot of the Swedish players, but also the Danish players, clearly, because that's I guess that's why they picked that uh, city for for the event. And this is going to be what they call it's like a Grand Prix for Eternal formats, uh, which is pretty cool. So it's a very big kind of weekend celebrating Eternal Magic. So I guess the main event is a two-day big modern tournament. It's a 10k, and that's Euro, 10k Euro modern tournament. Uh, that's going to be, you know, coverage by the Magic superstar Andrea Mangucci. Legacy video. <laughs> yeah, so he's trying in for some modern coverage together with... Uh, Andreas Petersen, this Eko Baronen, uh, my, my coach, personal coach. So they will do the, you know, the the coverage of that event, and there will be a lot of cool stuff on the side, like you know, you can get your cards altered uh, and all this kind of cool stuff that you could do at Grand Prix as well. And then there are twelve other kind of main tournaments in the weekend, all in eternal format. So there's like old school, which I know is very popular in Sweden. And then there's competitive EDH. Which I guess is extremely popular everywhere. Yeah. And True. Uh, vi- vintage and legacy, of course. So the legacy tournament, that is on the Sunday. So it's on the 3rd of July. And there's a legacy 5k uh, event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super cool. And for the international listeners and uh, maybe even for Mengucci Cousine fans, uh, Copenhagen is like one of the, what can you say, culinary capitals in Europe. It's It has extremely good restaurants and uh, me and my wife is actually going to denmark copenhagen this summer just to eat for an entire weekend that's nice so we'll probably drop by there as well but a legacy 5k on the sunday you say Uh, i mean i have some ninth place experience uh, from (laughs) GolfCon, so i'll be looking forward to showing up how many players do you think might show up to an event like this Uh, so it caps at 500 that's the max uh, play, number of players that can sign up. And they write that they, they basically the 5K is based on 300 people attending. So I guess that is what they assume will a minimum of 300 players will show up. I don't think, I'm not sure how likely it is that they will cap out. But if they do cap out, they will double the prize pool. So it will become a 10K legacy if we get 500 players to, to sign up. That's I don't know how... Yeah. how yeah, that is insane. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know how likely that is because like, for example, when I played, I played a lot of this Danish Legacy Masters. It was the biggest paper tournament here. And when we were 
like a couple of years ago when when kind of legacy peaked may, maybe more than a couple of years ago but we were maybe 100 players maybe 120 at the at the peak of course that was much much smaller payout than this but i don't know how many like in, in like gotcon and these big swedish tournaments how many people do do attend i mean gotcon wasn't all that big and it was also on the easter holiday uh, so it was uh, 65 players on the like the first day and 41 players or something like that on the second day but on the swedish nationals which was uh, uh, during during the fall yeah i think it was november yeah then yeah. it was a little bit over 100 players yeah like i remember going to the nationals uh, like 7 years ago or something and uh, this year it was a lot more attendance than i remembered from last time and i think like post covid tournaments like uh, people are really excited to go places and mm. play paper legacy so i think i think that this has uh, some great potential for people just you know showing up playing some legacy in a in a big tournament especially if you know legacy gp adjacent style tournaments hasn't really been on the map for a long time yeah. so i really think mm. that this has a great potential for that yeah and, and like a, a- a price sum like that, I think that will also, like, it, it will attract a larger international crowd. And I think that the international crowd will also attract, like, the local crowd <laughs> to be a little bit more mm. keen to actually showing up. Uh, so, But it feels like if, if you say national is over 100 and we had over 100 for our, that was primarily Copenhagen players. So it feels like they could they should be able to get 300 players only from Sweden and Denmark. I and think then so if you too. also take international, yeah, it could be quite quite a lot of attendees. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, I don't think uh, the location matters either because, like, the nationals was in in a city called uh, Burås, which is uh, not really a place you go to to you know <laughs> see the city, eat at good restaurants. Uh, <laughs> no hate to Burås uh, or the people in it, but it's it's uh, like. You, you people went there primarily like specifically for magic during uh like the beginning of november which is also just like cold and gray and this is going mm. to be at the beginning like peak summer in malmo which is uh, really close to copenhagen and i think yeah i think it's uh, it has all the ingredients to make a really nice Soup. It does. Yeah. So do do you guys think it's it's a plus that it's like in in the sort of industrial vacation time, or do you think that's a minus when it comes to attendance? Well, for me, it's it's for me it's perfect because it's the week before I take vacation. So I don't know. Is isn't it the week before industrial vacation, or or is it in? Yeah, I would say this is the right. week before the Swedish industrial vacation. Yeah. But then again, if you look at Europe, uh, industrial vacation in Europe happens in August. Oh. So. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to brag, but you know, my school's out <laughs> the 3rd of June and I'm back in school again in September. Just putting it out there. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Christopher, for that key information. We'll get back to you when you've grown up. Sounds good. So we kind of managed to convince ourselves that this will be a big tournament. And I guess that will mean something for the 
meta as well because I, I guess one thing there's this will be a no proxy thing right so so deck card av- availability will kind of be a, an issue like i i have a big collection I, I think i will borrow some some decks to to friends i mean and i guess that's kind of how like we will have a lot of attendees but maybe everyone won't play blue red delver because you know that's the deck that if you have a big collection that's probably the deck that you play yourself and then you give the pox deck to 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 your friends or, or that that's kind of my thinking so so it will be interesting kind of speculating what the meta could could be i guess yeah and i think like the meta is probably bound to be quite different from the meta that you who are uh, an mtgo grinder are used to because paper metas as you say are based both in i think i think a, a lot of i mean a, a huge portion of people will come to this event to try and spike it obviously like 5k is 5k and people are gonna want to sort of tap into that no pun intended but a lot of people are also going to be like you know me and christopher and robin who sort of ooh, a large legacy tournament let's see what i can do here mm-hmm. and sort of go there with their sort of the abyss deck <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> or the ley lines deck or sort of whatever they have stashed that's kind of what i'm scared about because those are the decks i always lose to <laughs> When I play, play on like land dark ritual, Ashuk <laughs> kind of target you, and then like, oh, <laughs> that is unbeatable. That is unbeatable for crop rotation in Ursa Saga. It's just like, oh, yeah. I think that like if you look at the uh, at the paper tournaments that has been in uh, at least in Sweden, the top eights have been really diverse, uh, and like a lot of decks have been competing especially elves has been doing very very well it won the nationals and mm-hmm. it won the like the big tournament at uh, at gothcon as well but uh, i think that like if you attract a little more international crowd and maybe people like try a little harder perhaps to win uh, maybe it will resemble a little bit more of the uh, of the online meta with a little bit more with more delver and uh, perhaps those kind of decks yeah yeah i can i can definitely see that so, so do you want me to go over the kind of what i because i am like breathing the online winners meta every week i, I kind of update my kind of spreadsheets and and uh, absolutely I'm, I'm not sure how, how relevant this is uh, like how how much everyone knows but kind of if you think about there was this showcase qualifier which is this like 25 to 30 people tournament that was a few weeks ago online this is kind of the best of the best of the best so you have three 200 player tournaments where it's a top eight from those so it's the most kind of successful decks and kind of the best players and the decks that they choose and they had close to 50 percent of that field was blue red delver so that's like yeah that's mad (laughs) i think (laughs) 13 of 27 decks or something so it's like yeah, it's insane. And then the second most popular decks was Green White Depths, and then Lands with three, with like ten and seven percent, and then Death and Taxes. So I guess it's kind of decks that are historically been good against Delver. So it's really like yeah. Blue Red Delver versus the decks that have been good against it. That was kind of that meta. And then, but but I guess if we if we look a little bit wider, so if we look at the challenges, which is you know the there's one on Saturday and one on Sunday, which is like between seventy and hundred players. That meta is a bit wider, so there Blue Red Delver is only like twenty five percent, not fifty. Only twenty five. Yeah. Wow. And, <laughs> and then so if you look at the most popular decks there, so it's kind of Blue Red Delver is twenty five percent. Then the second one is actually because uh, I I only take like the top thirty two, so or kind of the decks that go have a winning record. 
So the winners met that. Sure. The second sure. most popular is kind of Storm. It's Adnasium Tendrils plus uh, the Epic Storm. That is like 8-9%. Which kind of makes sense. Because if you look at Blue Red Delver now, they play like no almost no Force of Negation. There are no Fluster Storms. There are no Spell Pierces. They have like four Force of Will. That's it. And then Days. Four Days and maybe some Surgical Extractions. That's kind of what they have against Storm. So I can understand that that deck is, is doing well now. Then it's this uh, Fish Door deck that you call the Hull Breacher Days Undoing. It's 8%. That used to be like 20% a couple of weeks ago, but since everyone started playing main deck Pyroblast, I think that deck got a bit a lot worse. And I know so, some really good players on that deck, they just can't beat Delver when, when Delver plays uh, Blasts in the main. Yeah, it's and it's 3 three drop tribal, right? Yeah, it, it's that is awkward well. against. Yes, yeah, yeah, they play so many three drops. I agree, so it's awkward against days for sure. What else? Then elves is doing well as well. It's seven percent of the meta, and then you have lands and eight cost, both at five percent. I think eight cost is a lot better than uh, I think it's been underplayed online because it was so expensive. It's getting cheaper though. But that is a really good deck, I think. It's also a bit weak to all the Pyroblasts, or very, very weak to them. But it's just, it's maybe the most powerful deck. If you just look at draw power, I think, uh, in Legacy, it feels like a vintage deck almost. Yeah, it's it's terrific to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of, I mean, at least when they have the, the good hands. This is kind of what, what I, when, when, when I tested against it, I kind of learned that I can't beat their best hands, right? But I can, yeah. if I play well, I can beat their kind of medium hands yep. and then I guess it's kind of death and taxes and these euro control decks a little bit as well but it's that's kind of the, the winner's meta it's very very small I would say it's like you know maybe five decks that you would expect to see which is good for a deck like lands right because we, we, we can't beat everything at the same time so so but we can tune our deck to be good against these five decks or whatever the five decks are are at the uh, at the top tables yeah that's what i'm kind of interesting to hear what what, what your experience is in 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 uh, you know playing playing swedish paper meta because because i can imagine that it is a wider spread yeah i think like the the thing that is missing from like this like o- online winners meta chunk is is all of the control decks that people like like mid mid range control decks that people like to bring to a tournament like this like strife for pile kind of uh, NZD decks that kind of stuff or like dark band and that kind of decks uh, I, I think a lot of uh, paper players like to play those kind of a little bit grindy you have a lot of options i think those decks are 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 really popular in in paper and my experience from playing at gothcon i was facing three of those decks in a row <laughs> yeah and I, I can also understand they get better in paper than in online right because online is so hard for the them timer. to win on time yeah yeah whereas at least in paper if you like if you manage to win game one I mean, typically what happens when I play against that, I lose game one, but then they have like three minutes left on the clock and they just lose the match. Exactly. But if that had been in paper, they would have won that match, right? Exactly, because then they would have like drawn the the, the second game and then just gone (laughs) 1-0-1. Yeah. So that's a that's a heads up, I think, a little bit more control. And also some of the decks that you said are like not really good in online like in the emulator of, of Magic Online, like uh, 
Christopher's favorite Allurand and like food chain and that that those kind of combo decks because they're so hard so hard to click or what so many clicks that- yeah, yeah like they are unpopular to play because you can't like just make a loop out of it and yeah, <laughs> yeah, as, as you yeah. would do in paper so I think those are a little bit more popular in paper as well yeah I, I definitely think uh, when it comes to paper play compared to playing online certain decks are a bit more pleasant to play uh, in paper like like Robin mentioned uh, you know as a player who would have to click a lot online, both with Aluren, Food Chain, Bomberman, you name it, just having shortcuts in paper is really nice. But I was really shocked when we when we played both at Nationals and uh, GoffCon, the metas that we will go into a bit. But how many decks that I didn't expect to see, like still showing up and uh, I'm always anticipating the paper meta to be a lot different than online meta but i think it's slowly at, at least on bigger tournaments it's it's a bit more resembling to the online grindish meta maybe not as many pyroblasts in the main for delver but it might get there i think one thing that like if you look at the stats from gothcon where you guys were both the sort of friday and saturday tournaments and if you look at the very recent scg con they had a 5k for legacy there in the top eight, I think you find a lot of diversity. Like the SCGCon, for example, had a top eight of Green White Depths, Four Color Control, Mono Red Prison, Band Control, Mono Red Aggro, not Burn, but Mono Red Aggro, Jeskai Control, Eight Cast, and Blue Red Delver. So it's eight different decks. And I think the same case was for um, both the Gothcon tournaments. Yeah. That the top eights become interestingly diverse. Mm. And I think that's something if you want to not only have sort of a great day but if you prepare to sort of really spike it you have to be if these sort of tournament reports sort of give any 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 indication you should be prepared to once you get to that final stretch face basically anything because you said Ali that sort of the meta online is good for you because you can prepare for sort of a five four or five popular decks and in this case if you were to top eight this tournament uh, in July you might find yourself having to sort of essentially prepare for seven very different decks to 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 compete against. Yeah, that's much harder, I think. But uh, yeah, clear, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> it's like at the beginning of each big tournament, uh, those first three rounds are always like the wild west. <laughs> yeah. And and looking from like at GoffCon, the Saturday tournament, it was won by Elves and then had like Naya Depths on second place. But if you go deeper down to the uh, <laughs> to the top eight, you found like Necrotic Ooze, yeah, Amulet Titan. Like Amulet Titan is like a a really famous modern deck and when i saw it in the top eight uh, when robin was playing his match i was just shocked because these it it looked insane but it's just like a really efficient shell that if you're not prepared to play against a deck like that i don't know like uh, you have like you mentioned you have to be ready for anything and that's uh, yeah. it's like uh, yeah I-, I love that with paper legacy like the first three rounds of a tournament are my favorite because that's when I feel the stakes are the highest because you don't want to pick up a, a loss in your first rounds and it's also the craziest opponents. <laughs> yeah, I remember playing like one of these Danish match, uh, yeah, legacy championship or what's called <laughs> a few years ago. My round one opponent went like swamp, dark ritual, dark ritual, and I'm like, okay, I'm dead. 
A Senge vampire. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> He's like, yeah, okay. That's a okay. Yes. <laughs> Did it get there? <laughs> no, it didn't. I think I, I survived it like one life. <laughs> Swamp, Dark Ritual, Dark Ritual, Senge vampire. What a fucking legend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I almost lost to a similar start at uh, my local game store in Uppsala and it was like turn one swamp go and I was like okay, trap ponder and then turn two dark ritual, dark ritual, grave titan. And I was like, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> Are you a reanimator deck? No. <laughs> it was insane. No, okay. It was insane. <laughs> oh man. Nice. Love it. Black ramp. <laughs> black ramp. Black yeah. mono mono black post. Postless post. Yeah, we have another guy in, in here in Copenhagen. He goes like entomb lingering souls. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That's a valley play. It's always nice when you can I, like I heard some people talk about, you know, entombing for narcomiba to block Ragavan <laughs> and stuff like that. Oh, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's nasty. Next level. Love it. <laughs> but then you can entomb this. There's a, a creature that doesn't work online, a black one that, that can kill an at- attacker if you dredge. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's super is it the pharaoh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think. Yeah, it's like it's a pharaoh. I think uh, when, when you get attacked, destroy a creature or something, and then you pick it up to your hand or something. Yeah, it's it's a creature that has dealt damage to you, I think. And then you put him from the graveyard on top of your library. I, I played that in Manalist Stretch. <laughs> yeah, I played it uh, in Lands. So <laughs> actually, oh, I, exactly that happened. My opponent had Ragavan. I go in Tomb for that thing. And then it's bugged online, so it doesn't do anything. <laughs> it just oh, stays no. in the graveyard. And I'm like, I didn't think that's how it's supposed to work. I actually yeah. found a card. It's Vengeful Pharaoh. It's a real legacy card. It's two and three black for a five four death touch. Whenever, uh, whenever combat damage is dealt to you or a planeswalker you control, if Vengeful Pharaoh is in your graveyard, destroy target attacking creature. Then put Vengeful Pharaoh on top of your library. Must be sick in a dredge, like in a dark landscape. Yeah. <laughs> you just dredge it to the bottom. No, dredge it to the graveyard yeah. again. That's sweet. Yeah, you just and you just loam it, right? Yeah. You can also just play Maze of Ith, but you know, it's one of the two. <laughs> that's how, yeah, I guess that's the obviously good play, play, but yeah. But I have to ask you, Ali, like m- more about the the Danish meta game. Like, w- what am I? Who? So, I mean, I'm getting in a car with Robin and Christopher, sort of the four seats, and then we're just shotgunning down to Malmo uh, on a nice nine-hour drive. I guess. What should I prepare for? Yes. With the Grinch of Salt, I haven't played Paper Legacy since 2019. Uh, but I did ask my friends who still go to our local game store, and they said that the Tuesday meta is Delver. Doomsday, Lands, uh, Painter, and Death and Taxes, Goblins, and Omni Omnishow. Hmm. Those are the popular decks. So I guess what they say is very few people like to play Control for their Tuesday tournaments. I don't know if that's kind of a general thing, or but it's a lot of Delver and then kind of these 
weird combo decks and, and lands and painter and goblins and death and taxes. <laughs> but kind of historically, like when I still played paper, death and taxes has always been very popular in Denmark because it also had some really good players like Thomas Enevoldsen who won like a legacy Grand Prix with death and taxes. I mean, this is many, yeah, many death years Yeah, death and ago. taxes legend. Yeah. But he had like a fan club, like a lot of people kind of played copied his list so, so there was always overrepresented I think that deck I don't know if that's still the case but it sounds like it's still one of the most popular decks and then I the last in 2019 which was the last big paper tournament I played here the final was two moon stompy deck and there are two players that <laughs> the mirror always oh. on that deck yeah exactly oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> the moon stompy mirror yeah that's <laughs> wow what's the mirror breaker in moon stompy mirror matches boarding out all of the chalices and trinospheres and moons and um, blood moons you just moon. yeah <laughs> <laughs> any, any other cards <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm just yeah. gonna ha- play main main deck um, lattice <laughs> game one is just gonna be so weird because you, you know the opponent's gonna be on moon stompy as well and it's just sort of heavy mulliganing into anything that's not your deck yeah you, yeah. you play out your chromoxes yeah. and then you play chalice on zero yeah that's a good play yeah, yeah. Right. that's how they got me play chalice on zero so my mox and then yeah nasty i remember that when i was gothcon last time i played a merfolk deck in one of the legacy tournaments and storm was like so inc- incredibly popular at the time and it was this thing that people would just sort of go pollute delta go for some reason, people sort of wouldn't ponder on the first turn because you were sort of kind of and didn't play out any sort of the petals. You sort of you were supposed to keep everything super hidden, but then of course everyone playing Pluto Delta Go signaled sort of this is Gothenburg Storm. So I would just go like Chalice on zero, and they'd be like, <laughs> "No, ah, oh, okay, no." The turn one curse catcher, and they're like, "I'm gonna play around days." Turn two, Chalice on one. I'm <laughs> like, "Oh man, I won so many games by just that." Island, Shadows and Zero, Curse Catcher. Um, nice indeed. So, I mean, this tournament, we're still a sort of way, bit away off, like when it's now May, so June, uh, two months, not too much off. This is going to be a fantastic event. Can I get my tickets now? What do I do? Is there anything else I should think about logistically? Help me, Albert. Yes. So, yeah, so th- they have a couple of things. They have like a Facebook uh, page that you can join. We can maybe share the link. Uh, in the show notes there's also a website it's called tier one with the uh, number one so tier and then the number one and then con c-o-n dot org that is kind of the website where they have all the info about the event and on there you can click buy tickets and get to another site where you can buy the uh, yeah it's like a kipu.events site where you can buy the the tickets so they're already up you can buy them now and we even got one free ticket for the legacy 5k that we can give out i guess or you guys can give out <gasps> wow whoever you want yeah <laughs> that's great i think we're gonna have to make a competition out this a lottery i think listeners if you want to compete for the free entry to the legacy 5k at tewancon shout out your name in the discord server and say that you want to compete for this and do that before the let's say 14th of may before the 14th of may and then we will on the next podcast we record after the 14th of may we will announce who is the lucky winner of this fantastic gift that we were just this is our first uh, you know our first giveaway sponsorship anything only took us 47 episodes this, this is great yeah. thank you so much albert that's uh, very thank cool. you 
Yeah, well, it wasn't really me, but uh, I, I asked for the messenger here, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's amazing. I'm, I'm sure your deep clout was heavily involved in this. <laughs> don't, 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 don't downplay yourself. Robin and Christopher won't be able to compete. Oh man, but I listened <laughs> to all of our episodes. <laughs> I listened to all of our episodes multiple times. Brag much? <laughs> no, but this is going to be great. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, Ali, is it? Uh, are you going to compete or are you going to sort of work the event somehow? No, 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 I am competing. I mean, I'm doing all this hosting because I, or, or advertising because I want this to be as big as possible. So, so it's, uh, yeah. you know, it's the first paper tournament that I will play since 2019. Uh, so I'm super excited about it. And I've also reached the age where I can't really play Paper Magic. I mean, it's just very, very complicated family-wise. So yeah. it's sort of, uh, I pick the one tournament a year kind of thing. So, so yeah, I just want this to be as... As big as possible, and to all listeners, you know these type of like Grand Prix type events. I think they are really expensive to to organize, and it's a lot of risk involved. So you know, if we want more of these, I think we we need to uh, show up and kind of um, definitely show, show up. up. And also, as Magic players, for some reason, are so notorious in not doing this. Like, do purchase your tickets as soon as you know that you are going to go to this event. Don't wait. It makes it a lot easier for the organizers to actually pull the event off if you buy your tickets as soon as you can. It really, really does help. Like, don't wait until June 25th to buy those tickets. Buy them now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, and also, there was a lot of, you know, outrage when uh, when the legacy GPs were sort of shut down. This is a great occasion to, you know, show support for the scene and, you know, put your money where your mouth is and just... Show up, bring your favorite deck, eat some good good crub, which is good food, and uh, have a great time. And I can promise, if you go Dark Ritual, Dark Ritual, Singer, Vampire, I will concede, if that's on turn one. That's that's going to be an auto-win against me. For <laughs> <laughs> I might just... I might just show up with Doomsday and put one Sanger Vampire in there <laughs> just nice. to get the concession yeah. if we... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Will you sign my Sanger Vampire after the game? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I also think, I mean, since you're playing, Albert, I'm going to just open now Tier 1 Con Legacy 5K.XLSX and I'm going to add Lance 1 deck for my pre-sheet so far, so... Yeah, there are going to be more. There's a lot of people from the Lance Discord who, who's coming. So, so uh, oh, <laughs> we'll great. probably be the most popular deck. That's the secret meta. That <laughs> oh, and that's all of our friends is all we have for this week. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode as much as we have enjoyed recording it as per usual. This was great fun. And it was very nice to have a guest on again. And it's been way too long since we did that. Thank you so much, Albert, for coming on. If you listen and like the show, tell a friend that you think should listen as well to help us grow. If you have a suggestion for another guest or so, or if you want to compete for this fantastic golden tier one legacy 5k ticket join us in the discord and let us know in discord that you want to you can find a link in the description for this episode where you can also find other links relevant to tier one con in addition to this discord you can hit us up on twitter at sthlm stockholm legacy we are also personally present on some social media robin where can our listeners find you uh, I'm best found at the Discord server, actually. Yeah, and you'll find me there as well, or uh, on Twitter, at ManolifMTG. And uh, what about you, Albert? Yeah, so you can find me in the Lance Discord. That's where I mostly hang out. Uh, and then I'm also Ali underscore 
on underscore mtgo i think on twitter and there's also a youtube channel now that i started this year actually so uh, but i don't know exactly how i think you if you go to discord you can find it probably yeah it's great content i can recommend it i've been watching it yeah, yeah. yeah same and you can find me at uh, disco Drogo on twitter and that is the end of the 47th episode of stockholm legacy report thank you robinson cn anchors of Wikström. extra special thanks to albert lindlum we will indeed see you again in july warm thanks to you for listening the great frenas has written our music you can find their work on spotify until next time make sure to start practicing your shuffling